Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello, how are you doing? Hope you're well. Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper here once again, sports broadcaster in the UK with you. Uh, good to be here. Thank you for your time. Thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham as well. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations around the corner from me in the beautiful town of Montpellier, or the beautiful district of Montpellier in the town of Cheltenham here in the west of England. And through uh, Serene AV as well, it's not just the Bang Olufsen equipment that you can see in that store. Uh, Jason Briggs and his fine team can source you whatever suits your home entertainment vision and your budget. Worth getting in touch with them. Look them up on the website or social media, B&O underscore Cheltenham. Really appreciate their continued support on the pod. Thank you also to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast. Now, Cytoplan is a food-based supplement company based in the west of England as well, beautiful village of Hanley Swan. Our relationship with them as the Draper family goes back 20-plus years now. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, is a general practitioner in the Cotswolds in England, but also is a micronutritionist, as lectured, particularly around things like selenium and zinc, fascinated by soil health, that kind of stuff. And his continued perspective is that we need companies like Cytoplan to make food-based supplements that digested as food would be to top up the nutrient deficiencies we have due to the depletion of soil, which is different all over the world in terms of that soil quality and within different countries and different areas as well, but worth looking into. And if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, there is a discount associated with the podcast at checkout, which gives you 30% off upfront, 10% thereafter on future purchases. And that code is DRAPER10R. So my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 10 and the capital letter R. I should say my dad's actually been included in the kind of um, sculpting the creation of, of of certain micro multivitamins sorry in terms of uh, what goes into them vitamins you may say wherever you're listening to this in the world but uh, hopefully you're well and uh, check out the supplements of anything uh, it takes your fancy particularly maybe vitamin d3 vitamin d3 is a big one isn't it um, as we emerge from winter here it's the sun is out it's still a chill in the air here in england in uh, early april Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. It was a good conversation, actually, with, uh, I guess, a, a friend that has developed or friendship developed over the last couple of years, Anthony Asprey, through our mutual friend, James Golden, aka The Fitness Pro, has been on here. Anthony's a former trader in the city of London, finance kind of job, high intensity, high pressure, but has formed uh, the Whole Man Academy over the past few years, which does retreats, meetups for men kind of interview some of the uh, the leading blokes in that field all over the world 
about just their, their habits, their perspectives, things that enable them to tackle the modern life. So just a riff on here on a few things that perhaps we find challenging, perhaps um, aren't really kind of that easy to accommodate in everyday life, the things we need to do around sleep, nutrition, and that balance between self-care. And I guess narcissism in a sense, but it goes too far because I know self-care is not selfish as a mantra in the well-being area. But if you're parents, husbands, wives, if women are listening to this, then you'll be aware that you can't just focus on yourself as you could maybe when you're younger and it was considered more virtuous to spend three hours in the gym, an hour in the sauna afterwards or whatever. It's a little bit different, isn't it, as you get older? But anyway, here he is, the, the one and only Anthony Asprey. Anthony Asprey, welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. I think it's your technically your second appearance, maybe your third appearance on mine, because we did one for Whole Man Academy podcast, and then we did so we've we've shared we've shared content across the board, and I think we're going to share this on on your platform as well. But good to see you, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Um, it's as we're coming out of uh, we talked just before we went on uh, on record about the weather, and I'm just looking forward to some sunnier weather because I'm kind of done with winter yeah. and going outside with fleeces on and body warmers and stuff. So uh, I'm good, but I just need a little bit of sunshine. Yeah, it's very, we're talking about the English weather being very much nondescript, like it sort of hovers between sort of mild and chilly in terms of most of the most yeah. of the year. But it seems like it's been a sort of non-cold winter, but just one that's dragged in terms of a lot of wind and quite a lot of rain. So it's well, we, we threaten to play tennis at some times, don't we? But when it's yeah. like this, I'm not going to. So, uh, yeah, at some point I'll, I'll embarrass myself and come over and you can. I was going to say you can whip me, but that's that's going to sound like strange at the start of the podcast. <laughs> well, I've just <laughs> I've just uh, missed the call. Actually, um, I, th I thought I was having it tomorrow but i've got a pre-operation consult consultation with uh, the where i'm getting my keyhole knee surgery next month so once that's out of the way with get my meniscus sorted <clears throat> i've been having like gentle knocks with my wife actually which is just dolling it over the neck but uh right. I, need to get did back you do I did it which a lot of people are going through this i'm realizing i played football for the first time i played once in lockdown and i played once again eight months later and i had the wrong footwear it was an indoor cricket hall and i went in goal for the last five minutes and basically slipped scrambling to get a rebound and then my uh my grip i had astroturf on indoors which i should have been wearing indoor shoes but i didn't know it was the first time i played there and it caught the surface and then my knee and ankle went over the sort of the wrong direction over the top and i ended up doing the ankle strain which i thought was the main thing because i couldn't walk for about 10 days but then yeah. transpired the knee was also screwed and then i had a ended up getting a uh, an MRI last month and they said that the meniscus and it, obviously it's a knee specialist so they're biased I suppose but the the, uh, yeah. the, the knee specialist said you need to operate because the meniscus doesn't repair itself so you have to sort of basically spread it out between your bones so it's not bone on bone so it's just well, how did like, it affect you I was gonna say how did it affect you because we always say on the whole man academy you know you're one of the big things is your health is your wealth and yeah. you know you can have all the money in the bank and have all the boxes tick but if you suddenly get injured or you're unwell it can have a big effect but how did you get on then with trying to get to work because i assume could you drive no not for the first sort of week or so no so i was yeah i had to take time off work which is embarrassing and then the next month had covid not too badly but again at the time you couldn't go out of the house so seven days i think six seven days until i tested negative so i had to have time off so i felt embarrassed about that and then i've got to take a few more days off another week off for, in may which you know i've done it when it's convenient for work but you do feel a little bit embarrassed and yes yeah, i find it very frustrating i think um people are quite, it's a difficult balance between being um peaceful with things and accepting what happens but mm -hmm. also not necessarily overly accepting being kind of 
decrepit as you get older because I think you, you see some people who seem to embrace it and I sort of you know still rail against that but it's interesting the conversations you have particularly with like older people in the street they're like oh not as young as you used to be and all this stuff and you're like well I'm not I'm still gonna play. it wasn't like you know I'm not playing um in the Premier yeah. League it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic is still playing at my age it's Serie A he's 40 so I think I can probably still, still 40, play by the yeah. side but he's it's, in good shape yeah yeah well it's a, but it's uh yeah but it's a it's a consideration actually do you think do I go back and do this and how do I do it? But I think I'll be a bit more um, thoughtful about where I play and what, what footwear yeah. I wear and, yeah. and get back into, because I, I my brother did his Achilles tendon, actually. He's out for six months. He's on crutches for a long time, which is brutal. Um, and then I know the couple of, another guy has done his meniscus in both knees because he had gone back to playing football for the first time since the pandemic. And I think a lot of people are probably of a certain thirties and forties now getting injuries that, because they, mm. they stopped. So I think the key is work your way back and don't stop if you can. Yeah. And so that's one of the big things about um, when I had my collapsed lung when I was much younger in my 20s, you know, I appreciated going back to the football so yeah. much because I, I got kind of threatened with, oh, you might not be able to play again if you don't heal properly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, going back into it, that first kind of match when I'd got properly match fit, like I had a newfound appreciation for football, like you wouldn't believe because I'd missed it so much. But uh, but that was perhaps. How did you have a collapse? What was a collapsed lung from? So I had a, a, a spontaneous pneumothorax, which means your lung just collapses. There's no particular reason why I wasn't Whoa. doing sport. I wasn't doing anything particular. I wasn't doing anything strenuous, wasn't in an impact situation. Um, and uh, what happened is that your lung had torn. And of course, the air rushes to the outside of your or the, the kind of outer cavity of your lung and your lung like a balloon mm. deflates. But the problem is the more you breathe, which is always helpful to breathe, yeah. Um, the the pressure builds up as if you're having a heart attack or what it's the same symptoms because your left arm kind of goes numb, you know, you can't breathe mm. properly because your heart's being compressed. Um, so then you have to have a really lovely either a chest drain put in, which was for a whole week, which was nice, um, and let it slowly heal. Or when it didn't work after the third time, they did a called a pleurectomy, which I can't spell, let alone <laughs> pronounce. But it's a beautiful procedure where they um, deflate your lung and they scrape the outer wall of your lung. And so it bleeds and they reinflate it. So it sticks to the outer wall of your lung. So you're basically your one of your lungs doesn't go up and down anymore. It just stays Whoa. completely inflated. So I was just writing about it for our e-letter, actually, because that uh, that's the first time I had an issue with like body confidence because. Mm suddenly I couldn't do anything for, I think it was roughly six months. Like you weren't even allowed to get out of breath for obvious reasons because your lung was repairing. So there was no gym, no exercise. And, uh, you know, I, I struggled with that because uh, yeah. I was desperate to do stuff. So when I did get back to it, wow, I had a new appreciation for, for, for football and everything else. Yeah. It's the, yeah. And is your lung okay now? Is it fully functional? Yeah. I mean, that was in my twenties, but um, I, for, for quite a long time, I still had that in the back of your mind. It's like if you've broken your ankle or something, you know, you don't go into tackles again properly for a, quite a long time because there's no. something holding you back. And I was really, you know, for a while I, I played, uh, but I was probably playing 80% because you were just a little bit worried. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, so, they always so say if you don't go into challenges hard, you're more likely to get injured as well, don't you? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, but yeah, it's funny. It's like all things when you have something taken away from you, you then come back and you really appreciate it. 
It's going to be a balance, isn't it? Because James Golden, aka the fitness pros, has been a regular guest on here and a mutual friend. And, and we've talked about it. He's, he was playing football last year, absolutely loving it, I think, from a mental health perspective. And I think for me, it's the most immersive escapism that I still can yeah. get is, you know, particularly indoors because the ball literally doesn't stop. So you're in yeah. no time to think about your meetings or, you know, work tomorrow mm -hmm. or that bill you have to pay. It's like, but at the same time, the downside of getting injured is, is pretty brutal. And if you, if you do roll an ankle or a twist a knee, it's, you can't then do other stuff for six weeks, yeah. two months, whatever it is. It's yeah. that, Cause I think he's had a tense Achilles tendon for a while and he's obviously a fitness professional. So he's, mm -hmm. he's been anxious about, about that, I think, and, and whether he should play football or not, because like I say, well, my, that's brother, the my brother's when... Achilles went and that's a, that's a brutal injury. Yeah. It's a long, long-term one. And there's the problem also when you work for yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, when I worked in the city, yes, I broke my ankle as well. Uh, and But I still got crutches to work and I sat with my foot up on my desk whilst I was doing my, or I was a broker at the time. But, you know, if that happened now, when you're trying to travel around and go to coaching people and mentoring people, and et cetera, then you're in trouble. So uh, people always say, oh, it's great to work for yourself. And it is, as long as uh, you stay fit and healthy. <laughs> yeah, you take a lot less sick days than if you're a uh, staff. Although to be honest, we're at staff the last couple of years. They don't want you to go interview real. So it's kind of a, a win-win <laughs> yeah. situation at the yeah. moment. Um, but that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a really difficult balance as you, as you get older. But it's like I say, I'm going to try and get fit. The doctors seem quite optimistic about it in terms of uh, the recovery. So I think we'll, uh, mm -hmm. we'll work, but I want to make sure that, yeah, I, I kind of research which games I play in and what surfaces and that kind of stuff a little bit more before I jump into it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a funny thing. Is it getting older? I was at a wedding actually this past weekend, my brother's baby brother's wedding. He's just turned 30. JJ Draper, who's a singer songwriter is online. At I am JJ Draper. If you want to listen to his, his music, but there was a sort of um, broad spectrum of people from young babies to older people. And it did, I suppose, like the injury bring a sort of sense of carpe diem, doesn't it? Cause you're right in the middle of that spectrum and you're looking at people and yeah. you see the, the life force be so strong and then just drain gradually out of mm. people not to be pessimistic but it does make you think of seizing it's, the day was was your lung was your lung injury did that impact your decision to to leave the city in any way no i mean that that was that was in my 20s but um i did have it once or twice where when i did injure myself as mm. i was leaving the city it was that thing of you were then in your 30s and you recovered slower mm. um you know and i remember tearing um my rotator cuff and I went to see a, a kind of specialist and he was like, how old are you? And I think I was 34 and, and yeah. he was kind of telling me how much quicker I would have recovered if I was, you know, in my twenties than even in my thirties. Yes. Let alone thing, now yeah. being, I'll be, I'll be 44 this year. So, um, you know, I do find everything aches a bit more and, you know, you, you, you can't do such intense stuff, especially when you've got kids and mm. a, you know business to run and et cetera. I just don't have the time to uh, do such intense exercise. Um, Not so, sleeping is the recovery is, is like you hit on both ends as well, aren't you? Because your physiology yeah. is a bit slower, but you're also more in a more demanding situation in your twenties. You could sleep that's 10 it. hours if you wanted to. Well, I don't know if you saw. Um, I haven't even looked into it, but I saw some of the headlines where people had shared with the clocks going back where you mm. or you got going forward where you lost an hour that there, there was a rise in heart attacks. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. across you know of, of something like twenty odd percent. And then when the when you get the extra hours sleep, then there's a decrease in heart attacks in that in that respect, um, which just shows you. I mean, for all of us, we all know having a good night's sleep, you wake up feeling refreshed and ready to go. And you have a crap night's sleep, and you wake up and you're like, I just need like another half hour under the duvet and, and coffee injected in your eye. Yes, yeah, I know. Well, actually, one of the things I'm I'm on sort of permanent fixtures at sky which has been um shifts which has been sort of really life-changing for me although three of them are late so i'm going to bed at 2 a.m 
roughly three times a week it's still much better than the uh the hodgepodge of variety issues i was doing before mm-hmm. and actually one of the dreaded ones would be that sunday of the clock change when it went forward if you're on an early shift because ordinarily you'd be getting up between three and four but suddenly you're then an hour earlier and yes. it's that that that's that horrible feeling that you know you're going to have that stolen from you so it's um, yeah, it wasn't and the anxiety fun. of yeah whether your clock's going to work <laughs> and things like that so it's great not to be on those those early shifts for for sure. But yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? What Because you've got 100 podcasts up for the Whole Man Academy, which is brilliant. That interplay between sleep and challenging ourselves is always an interesting one, isn't it? Is that is that something you've explored quite a lot? Yeah, and it's trying to find, I know people kind of talk about balance and, uh, you know, especially I think as, as guys or for anybody, whenever you do have kids, it suddenly adds a new dimension to it because you can't be so, you know, beautifully selfish um, I mean, a good example this weekend, my partner is going with the kids to London um, and I've got to stay up in the Cotswolds because I've got so much to do. But I can't wait to have two days where I will be really busy, but I can do everything on my time frame and yeah, not have to yeah. kind of consider, you know, anybody else. And then I noticed that the Liverpool Man City match is on on Sunday <laughs> afternoon at half four, which could be interesting timing. Um, but the podcast have been a big one because what I wanted it to do was find interesting men from all over the world that had, you know, either a motivational story or something really interesting, some kind of golden nuggets. But that meant it was guys from Canada. And, you know, we've spoke from guys from Nicaragua, from, yeah, from Canada, from the US, uh, all different kind of places. So that adds the time zone situation. So sometimes you'd be doing a podcast at nine o'clock at night um, if they're guys in Australia or somewhere. And, you know, generally I go to bed at 10 o'clock these days. So when you're trying to maintain a good level of energy during the podcast and then it's quarter to 10 and you're thinking I've been up since half past five. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, doing the podcast is great fun. And the reason why I did it also not just to provide value for guys listening was also it's expanded my own network. Mm. And with the mentoring I do now, one of my things is I would say I haven't got all the answers and no one has. But now I know that let's say a guy says, well, I've got this issue or this challenge. That, um, that usually I can find someone who might have a better handle on it than I have. So you can reach out to, you know, pretty much a hundred different guys around the world who you can cherry pick. Who do you think might have, you know, is it spiritual? Is it fitness? Is it health? Is it mindset? Is it something else? So uh, yeah, the podcast has been good, but it sure does explode your network as well. Is the 5.30 a.m. start, is that your self-imposed routine or is that just the kids getting up at that time? Yeah, it's it's it was born from you know years in the city because I had to be in at seven o'clock. Well, actually, I had to be in at six forty-five. Um, and I happily admit, when I first went for my interview in the city, working on the European desk, I didn't realise that I thought you started at eight, not seven. <laughs> but I'd forgotten about the hours uh, difference. Oh, yeah. So I sat in the interview, and the woman said, "Oh, what you like with getting in early?" And I was like, "Yeah, fine, no problem at all." And then. She said, I said, what kind of time do you get in? And she said, oh, I get in about half past six. And I was thinking, what a loser getting in an hour and a half before, <laughs> yeah. before the market's open. Yeah. And then during the interview, the, you know, the, um, the light bulb went on and I was like, <laughs> shit, like we have to be in at seven. So that meant for, I don't know, 10 years plus my alarm went off at half five every day, whether you liked it or not, you mm. know, some nights you had only just got into bed after being out with clients and, you, and your alarm went off, um, and there was no, you know, there was no working from home. There was no flexi time or that stuff. That was a, you are at your desk or if you're not and you're late, you buy everybody breakfast, which is going to be expensive. If you arrived after quarter past seven, well, between seven and quarter past, you bought everybody breakfast. So that was probably yeah. going to cost you, 
it depends how big your desk was, but you know, some desks were had 12 or 14 guys on. So do 12 or 14 times, you know, X breakfast yeah. is expensive. When I worked on one of the other desks, if it was after quarter past seven, you bought everybody lunch. Now we know lunch has become really <laughs> expensive and we'd get kind of lobster linguine from Leadenhall Market. There was some oh, that did the specialty. It was 20 pounds a serving. So even, even if there's only 60 on the desk times 20 pounds, that was a painful, yeah. expensive lay in. So yeah, that's where it was, you know, it came from, but I've struggled more with getting up when we had the kids mm. because um, our first one didn't sleep properly for a whole year. Our second one, who is now two and a half, still doesn't, has, no. has never slept properly. <laughs> My seven-year-old's just started sleeping, sort of. Yeah. But yeah. So you can, you know, I, I, I would say that I'm, thankfully I've had a strong routine, but I developed the own, like our own uh, kind of morning routine concept called the one day reset, which is what I do for companies like talking to them um, kind of in the corporate field. And one of the big things there is you can have all these great strategies and tools, but you know, if something throws a spanner in the works in the middle of the night, you wake up and you're like, I just can't, you know, what mm -hmm. can I do with the simple, simple things this morning, which is why it's the one day reset. Because, you know, if you cock it up yesterday, it's not like, oh, I just won't bother with this anymore. It's like, okay, let's reset again on Tuesday. What can I do for my morning routine? So yeah, that's been, kind of uh, golden for me um, just to have that in the back of my mind to know, you know, the things are move, breathe, think and drink. So in the morning, can you do a little bit of movement, even if a few minutes, uh, you know, breathing is your breath work. Thinking is what have you got to do that day and drink being, you know, your first thing in the morning isn't coffee. It is apple cider vinegar. It is warm water with lemon. It is just pure water. Mm. Um, mm. And just mm. implementing those four things kind of changed the trajectory of my progress during the day. Yeah, it has to be quite light, doesn't it? Because a, a routine can be something that, that gives you structure and handrails, but can also be quite it, kind of crippling if it's if it's like you yeah. say life changes and you don't want to be too stuck to it because it can cause you a lot of stress on the home front as well. If you're like, I've got to do an hour workout yeah. this morning, and they're like, Well, there's a baby crying here. It's not sometimes it. not realistic. Yeah. Well, that was the uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on one of the podcasts. There was a great book uh, written by a guy called Hal Elrod, which is The Miracle Morning. Um, which I bought, thought was great, gave me some really good ideas. But I think there were seven kind of things he suggested you do. And I found that I was then failing. So I was getting about three or four of them done and then just mm -hmm. things were getting in the way. And it was a bit like the film, There's Something About Mary, when the guy <laughs> makes the, you know, is it seven minute abs? Oh, yeah, and yeah. Then, the serial killer. That's yeah. it, the serial killer, seven minute abs. And I remember thinking, well, this guy's given me seven things to do, but if I had to drop a few of them out, what would they be? And, and how could I implement that? And uh, so I kind of went from the, you know, the Miracle Morning seven steps to what are the four that I could implement and kind of mold around for a guy? How could they use that in the morning? Yeah. How, um, how, how, yeah. How important has that been just the evolution of speaking to people and, and sort of stealing little bits here and there that, that suit you? Because I was always keen to that you'd hear this sort of oh 5 a.m starts are brilliant but it's like well if i'm going to bed at two or three i mean there's no point me getting up at 5 a.m i'm going to be an absolute yeah. for the rest of the day because we know how important sleep is so it's the it's the allowing yourself flexibility because just like you say uh you know everybody has you know for some people have got kids other people have got different working hours so with the talks i do that's one of the big things you impart is that there is no one way because you know you and i have because you've got a different schedule to me Mm. I generally am in bed at 10, quarter past 10, nearly every night now. So you're getting the rest so you need, yeah. That's it. So it's easy for me to get up at half past five, or even if you got up at six, like I've still had my, you know, between kind of six and a half, seven and a half hours sleep. Mm. But yeah, if I had a job where I was getting home late and then you have to eat late and then you shouldn't go to bed just after you've eaten because your body will, you know, 
good example of that a few weeks ago we had a we, we had some sunshine amazing <laughs> and uh, we, we were testing out our new egg barbecue thing and being greedy i finished off you know any the meat that the kids hadn't eaten i had that so i ate loads and really late and that night i laid in bed and you know your your obviously body's working hard to break down all the meat that you've had yeah and i had a terrible night's sleep i was boiling hot because you've eaten late so mm. yeah it's it's adding flexibility and is probably one of the most important things otherwise you just set yourself up for failure yeah, I've found with shift work, actually, over the last year or so, even though you can't necessarily control every night the, the time you're going to bed, now I'm doing lates and, and one day shift, actually, I can generally have a two hour, two and a half hour variation of when I go to bed. So I tend to go to bed midnight on a on a night off and then one or two on a, a night I'm working. So it's not too different, but actually researching and, and putting it in layman, layman's terms from what I from what I understand from the scientists is that there are different aspects of our physiology have a body clock as well as circadian rhythm mm. and actually trying to replicate keep that consistent so i'll try and eat at six or seven my main meal in the evening and just balance that i actually do find that when i do sleep it's better even though when you come home at midnight there's always a temptation to have some cheese or or whatever yeah. it is and in the <laughs> old days it, before I was dad, it used to be white, red wine and watch tv but then you'd be up till four in the morning so that That's was a, a, ba a bad call but yeah just trying to kind of keep other things regulated if the sleep which we know is is a foundational element but it's other things keep that does help if they're if they're sort of regular and eating seems to be yeah. a big one for your body the, the the environment as well and that's one of the big things um it was it was back in where are we now 2022 it was midway through 2021 we released our first kind of online course for men mm. and we'd it had taken us ages because uh we'd kind of tasked or certain people that were in the team with writing an online course for men and kind of setting out some good examples of what they should be kind of producing and and it, and it never quite happened and in the end I realized I should have just done it myself because I knew you know I, I had all the basic kind of skills that to to lay out for people um, and it was all about giving a guy more energy to do all the important things he needs to do in life but one of those was yeah that morning routine and about you know sometimes the night before if, if you were going to the gym setting your gym kit out you know yeah. maybe you've prepped your breakfast the night before maybe you've just done a few things it might take you five minutes but the preparation the night before meant that it made your morning routine you know easier to kind of uh, accomplish and i remember we released the course and the first time like someone bought it i was like oh this is cool <laughs> and then it was just nice to get a bits of feedback where guys would just say hey, i found that really helpful and now i get up with more energy more focus mm. and more clarity and you're like how much is that worth you know yeah it's just how much how important is it to give ourselves time whenever we wake up because i find that i get quite ratty if i suddenly because if i get up at nine half nine suddenly the world wants you to be on yeah. call but actually you need an hour just to get your head because you, you become a better person after about an hour of just yeah. just waking up and not looking at phones not looking at not trying to organize anything or do something that someone else is doing at nine o'clock because they've been up since half past six seven o'clock yeah that the, the phones thing, and I know, again, we talk about it on the Whole Man Academy podcast a lot because it is such a big part of our lives. And most of us are, you know, I can't remember the statistics, but, you know, most of us are never more than a yeah. few a few feet away from our phones. Um, I was reading an interesting one about, uh, you know, it, people can't be bothered. I can never be bothered to look at instructions. I'm just like, just give me it. And, you know, when I used to get my Commodore 64 or your Nintendo, you just, <laughs> just plug it in and let's go. Yeah. And my dad would yeah. be like, no, no, let's, let's look at the instructions. No, just let's go. And I know when you look at the iPhone instructions or the warnings, it says, don't hold your phone close to your ear. Really? And, and the point there is that the, you know, the Wi-Fi and everything is, um, to state your voice, it's not going to be good for you. And it's certainly mm. not uh, not good for you at all because, of course, you've got this constant, you know, Wi-Fi surrounding us. 
And so many people are now, and I've found it become kind of addicted to their phones. Yeah. They take them to bed. They, you know, they sleep with them right the alarm, next to them. The alarm clock and yeah. That's it. And one of the things we say in the course is about turning your Wi-Fi off overnight, you know, mm. and it's what, easier. On your phone or just in the, the actual. In the house, if you can house. completely. Yeah. Um, and putting your phone on airplane mode as well, mm. because when you think it's just there, um, or some people have it where they plug their phone in to charge it up overnight and they have it on their bedside table. There's some really interesting videos where I'm trying to think what the machine is that's the kind of the size of a, a dry shaver, but it can measure the um, you know the output of like energy coming off of the of a device. Mm. And you'll see someone get their phone and when they plug it in, the thing goes beep, 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 beep because it is producing a yeah. lot more kind of, um, you know, the signal. And of course, people are sleeping with them right by their heads. Mm. And you're like, even if you had no scientific knowledge, you just say, do you think that would be beneficial or, you know, detrimental to your health, you know, without having yeah. to read the science spelt with a, a dollar sign instead of an S these days, you know, do you think that's going to be helpful? So it's all those little things we try and implement with guys through it, mentorship or our um, online course just to do the little one percenters that can make a big difference. Yes. Yeah, having those, com- yeah, those conversations, it's quite interesting. We we're talking the other day, went out for a beer with a guy who was in his early thirties and the guy's a couple of years older than me, I think 43 or so, but we oh. were talking about how actually reflecting about smartphones and actually agreeing. Cause I've had some issues with one of my tires on my car. It's had some sort of problem with the alloy and it's been a slow puncher effectively. Mm-hmm. So I've been stopping at one in the morning to fill up my air and stuff and all this. And I said, the best thing about the phone is actually the torch, isn't it? And they were saying, actually, yeah, and every- they're actually agreeing that is you know all the fluff and all the talk about apps and stuff actually having a yeah. practical thing that when yeah. it's dark there's a good torch on this phone and it's and it's because i think there is a debate to be had that some of the modern life isn't actually conducive to more productivity and you know it, it it's it's scary isn't it that addictive thing i think it's snuck in that you just like a pavlov pavlovian yeah. dog you look at your phone and you think and suddenly you'd catch yourself like why was i looking at that phone i don't even know what i achieved with looking at the phone at that time and i don't even remember Completely. what it was doing in that instance but it and it's also it's so i mean you have to take your your, your hat off to the people that design it. it is so good for uh, you know my opinion and again if you think with 100 podcasts you know a good percentage of those guys have we talked about phones or the guys that read our um holman academy e-letter and then kind of email me back and we have a good dialogue but i would say they're so good at I could finish this kind of interview now and I'll be like, right, I need to message Ed or I need to check his Mm. Instagram and I'll go on it. So I I know exactly why I'm going on it. But like you say, and then a few minutes later, you're like, how am I, how have I gone? How am I here? Yeah. Like, what am I looking at? And I've, you know, downloaded something or I've looked at someone's profile. (laughs) Have you like, right. No, what was I doing again? And it's so good at showing you, I mean, as we know with the algorithms, it knows exactly what you like you know, when it should, when it should remind you, when it should send you notifications, if you haven't looked recently, um, mm. which is kind of scary to be honest. So the two weeks ago, we're home educating our kids, as I might have said before on the podcast, but I took our boys off to their kind of forest school and I left mm. my phone in the car. Uh, so I didn't look at my phone. I looked at it once cause I was waiting for an email, but I had about six, seven, I think hours of not even having my phone. And it was so good brain feels better doesn't it yeah it's like it just comes because you're in constant communication i think that's the difficulty now isn't it so many platforms as you say so many direct messages so many i mean yes. whatsapp for me i find absolutely terrifying like you look at it in the morning there's like a hundred messages because there's sort of like a it's almost like it, it goads people into just sort of stream of consciousness communication where you yeah. know i don't know what it is even the standard text message you don't have the same sort of 
cut and thrust whereas on a whatsapp group it's like yeah and i said this and then i did that and then they've seen this news and it's like whoa i can't and then but this, this isn't helping me i'm consuming loads of text and i don't feel more connected to people necessarily it's yes you know in person's best and then a phone call and then something like this is is next best and then yeah sort of well one of the you said about whatsapp the here's one of the differentiations between uh let's say a text message and whatsapp on a text you know like on whatsapp when it comes up and says that ed's online yeah so you've read my message and he's online yeah. and he's ignoring me. Yeah. Why is yeah. he? What's yeah, so wrong like, with Ed? Yeah, yeah, you just want to leave the phone. Like you say, just leave the phone so no one knows yes. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So I found myself, I'd see a message on the preview come up and then yeah. I would think I'm not logging on now because they'll see I'm online and I haven't, I can't, I haven't got time to reply to their message. One of the, um, this was months ago, but one of the tips I gave guys, um, one of our events was be okay with like leaving groups mm. because, and that could be Facebook groups as well as uh, WhatsApp groups and et cetera. I left the fa- uh, my like Emma's family's side WhatsApp group because I was like, they're lovely people, but it's a load of bollocks that they're, they're like, it's just backwards and forwards with just stuff. And like you say, in the morning, you'd be like, we've got like 75 messages and it's no relevance to me at all. <laughs> so I was like, you know, love you all, bye, and just get rid. And yeah. they're like, wow. And you Facebook read- groups. Yeah, it's like it's like anything, isn't it? It's like sleep, like exercise. There's a curve of, of an optimum amount, and you know, you could if you're exercising ten hours a day, you're probably going to break down and get and get ill. And similarly, if you're if you're on every platform, multi connected yeah. on Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all these things, effectively, effectively they're just messaging. It's trying to crystallize those communications, I suppose. And I quite old fashioned that we organise this on email, and actually. I remember there being a sweet spot where you'd have a laptop and you'd email people and you felt really connected, but you weren't always connected, which is yes. which is quite nice. And I think it's important for your brain to, like, say, come up with ideas, be creative, to, to switch off, be be uh, connected with people you're with as well. That's a big thing, isn't it? Having kids, they're always yeah. remonstrating with you about looking at your phone and things. Well, that, that that that's two things. I know I talked about it on the podcast last week. There was a good example of, um, you know, I find myself looking at my phone when I've got the kids as well, and my partner will be like, put your phone down. And I'm like, yeah, and it, I'm not mindlessly scrolling because I use my phone for work as well. So mm. when you're working from home, that's the problem is you're never in the office and then out the office. You're kind of, there's that, yeah. that blurred lines. But I was sharing that, I take the boys to uh, football on a Saturday morning at Little Kickers, uh, which is which is great. And uh, but it, it pains me to see I join in with the kids and they're all you know we're all playing football and what having having fun. And like there's so many mums and dads are just sitting against the wall with their phone just scrolling. Mm. And you're like, right, I bet if you stopped them all and said, listen, what are you actually doing? You might have one that might be having to reply to someone through work, but let's be honest, the likelihood is that nine out of 10 people are just mm. scrolling or, you know, just looking mindlessly. Yeah. yeah, That's it. And it was funny because one of the dads was sitting behind the goal and the kids, especially they're only four years old. So the balls are going everywhere. He was sitting behind the goal scrolling whilst the kids were taking penalties. And of course the kid, one of the kids hit the ball and it flew over and hit him in the head. And I was like, that, that's someone up there going, yeah, try and pay attention to what's going on instead of just scrolling. Yeah, not having it with you. There's a, there's a sort of a, a problem of practicality as well, isn't it? And probably put on airplane mode would achieve this. But if you're taking photographs and video family moments with your phone, the difficulty is yeah. then, like you say, it's very skilled at having an alert come up that says they've got an email or a message. And then you look at that and then you're you're taken away. So sometimes the old school approaches of of having your own your own camera or I but you know, I said the other day I put something on Twitter about and it got quite a lot of traction in terms of people that that interact with me said you know i go on a wednesday morning and have an omelet and read a newspaper like buy a physical newspaper and actually do it and actually because i feel really immersed in it i I can remember what i've read whereas if i'm flitting between 
sports media online and yeah. stuff and i'm also then getting whatsapp messages or whatever else your thread of focus is so broken up it's it's unbelievable that's the um i was reading something about ebooks the other day only because we want to develop there's two different kind of books that we want to write for the whole man academy um one on morning routine um and one all about the what we've learned from the podcast yeah. and the hundred plus podcasts um but when i was reading it, it was like there was that massive rise of ebooks because they were so easy, but actually there was an interesting amount of people that now, even for me, I quite like holding onto a book. Yes. It's yeah. a pain in the ass to transport it and what have you, but you know, generally to have a book, especially with our kids and we like bookmark it and he scribbles on it and he, you know, you know, puts his post-it notes when it's all digital, the, the fun kind of has gone out of it. It's a bit like mm. when, you know, when they, when they take money away from or cash away from people soon, Mm. Um, you know, gone are those days, and which, in my view, people should fight against as much as possible. Because once it's gone digital, uh, you know, there is no cash, there is no fun of you getting a birthday card and there's twenty quid in it. Yeah. Or you know, or it's too, well, it's too, it's too scary as well. Digital because you realise it's so painless, isn't it? That's the problem. With, yes. <laughs> it's financially you can end up spending hundreds of pounds without thinking about it. Yeah, because you just beep, and it's and it's gone. So yeah, that's one of the things I, I read a book about. Uh, we weren't even living here. So that's over five years ago. Um, and this guy called Jim Rickards, who's a kind of fun, like, speaks a lot about the financial markets. And he'd written there very much about like the death of cash and how they will deliberately, mm. you know, slowly filter out cash and what a pro the problem a cashless society will have. But like I say, even just with your kids, just having them understand the value of money by they've yeah. got a pound and they can buy this. That's the little basic stuff that just gets kind of gets kids stuck started and understanding how money works absolutely yeah you'd know on a, a weekend how much money you what you could afford and then it put into perspective mm. what your parents were paying for certain things and yeah that's that's a really good a really good point isn't it and you were talking about on the uh the dystopian outlook as well you were talking on the email about food shortages and um, mm. what have you learned about about that sort of position situation yeah i mean that's we wrote about it about two weeks ago on the whole man academy letter again and that goes out to hundreds of guys around the world so it's interesting i, I love getting replies back because you'll you know can you have a guy from india a guy from uzbekistan a guy from mm. canada a guy from wherever so you get some interesting insights but um funny i was talking to one of our local farmers as well at the weekend we were picking up a load of uh, meat that we'd ordered and discussing it and what you're seeing is that supply chains and have been for a year, year and a half at least, have, have slowly kind of been broken down for various reasons around the world. Mm. Um, and there's a great guy called the Ice Age Farmer. So he's called Christian, but he's on YouTube as the Ice Age Farmer. Okay. And you know, probably for a year and a half, he just does great um, you know, research uh, on what's happened in all these different countries and the, um, you know, the, the kind of snowball effect of all these supply brains, mm. uh, supply chains breaking down. What I love is, and you know that the joys of the media and especially like the newspapers with promoting fear, you know, it's not, mm. it's not, uh, it's not new, is it? To, to know they do that. Um, gets so gets attention, doesn't it? I think that's how our, our brains are <laughs> exactly. wired that way. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a clickbait type thing, but it's so funny in the news where they say, um, oh, the the food shortages will happen because of what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Well, that will have a small effect on it because Ukraine is a massive one of, of of grains, and obviously there's food supply chains. But this stuff has been happening for like a year and a half, two years. Mm. So it's, it's easy to look at customer service. Everybody blame crap customer service on COVID. And you're like, no, no, like at some point you've got to admit that 
you know you're just crap with your customer service yeah. on <laughs> yeah but, yeah this, the, the lowering the, the lowering of standards across the board is, is that's it that. yeah and just yeah. go yeah it's, it's ukraine or it's covid and you're like well it's not is it you're that's an excuse so you know what i think we'll see um in the next six months is the similar to what happened um think back to 2020 with the toilet roll situation mm. now the toilet roll situation it didn't really matter whether there was or wasn't, or even the petrol we had recently. Now, it wasn't that we didn't have any. It's that the the media showed people that there was going to be a shortage. Perception. And whether you like, everybody ran out and got some, mm. which created a bit of a supply issue. And then, you know, so, but the interesting thing with those is they were short term. You know, for a week later with the petrol, you went back to the pump and you're like, no, there's no queues. Mm. There's nothing here. Um, and the same with toilet roll, you know, within a week, they'd filled those up. But from if you do your research, you'll see that, um, you know, you've got farmers who are being encouraged to just retire and being offered cash lump sums instead of selling their farms on or, or you know, continuing to farm the land, which in, in the UK, in the UK. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been widely reported in the press. Um, and so that's one problem, if you know what I mean, even over here. But you're going to see some interesting. Um, why are they encouraged to do that then? Because it's cheaper to import or has been cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> It depends how far down the rabbit hole you want to yeah. go with it. But, but what it does do is it creates a shortage of food. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, if you control people's uh, food, you can control people if, if you want to look at it that way. Mm. Um, so that's why our local farmer, I mean, you know, even in, in Cheltenham, you know, just outside, you can find lots of different farms around. And it's very interesting talking to the people that have got kind of boots on the ground as opposed to just reading, you know, a magazine that tells you. I love kind of getting in and, and actually having a conversation but what we said was compared to the petrol issue which is very short-lived and the toilet roll issue which is short-lived this i would predict will not be a short-lived food issue mm. and, and this, probably, is, this, is, this is fundamental food like meat and vegetables it's not talking about avocados or uh, an exotic i think food. all of it because yeah. you can't get i mean at the moment some of the ports have got ships um when i went out to singapore trying to think how long it goes it's amazing view as you drive from singapore into downtown on the left hand side you you see all the tankers out there um being moored now at the moment in different places around the world you've got huge issues where there um when lockdowns were happening it was some ridiculous restrictions that were stopping people bring you know bringing on the produce onto Mm. land and actually kind of you know getting it on the dock and that seems to have got worse and worse so i would i would suggest um and I laugh because I did a talk a year and a half ago for a big, big company in London. And at the end, that was just during lockdown number one. And uh, and they said, oh, what do you I love questioning. What, what do you see coming in the future? And I said, well, firstly, I said, assume that there'll be a second lockdown. And if there is, how can you make life a bit easier for yourself? And then the last thing I said, and this was a year and a half ago, was start growing your own vegetables. Yeah. Because yeah. even then, I could see that this was going to snowball into something. So... <laughs> It's, as a, I've said, it's a practical response as well to the anxiety, isn't it? Because as you're saying, that in a sense, we're doing what the media is. We're talking about something that's that's sort of worrying and concerning, but you can control something, an aspect to that. Which if you've got the space, like we don't, but actually my father has, I think, two acre, three acre allotment now, which he excellent is growing vegetables. And actually, you know, notwithstanding the fact that when you actually think about it, it does save us money when he gives us a load of vegetables, even though it tends to be an avalanche of the same vegetable. <laughs> yes, of course. What's in season? 300 yeah. apples. Yeah, yeah, and here's uh, yeah, here's loads of squash that have just multiplied and got everywhere. Yeah. But it's it's still yeah, it, it saves you money. But it's actually I think for him tremendously rewarding to to do that. So yeah, it's kind of positive response to the situation. 
Well, you, you've just said something interesting there about allotments because it, that was a dying art. And I think I would predict in the next year, you're going to see allotments are hugely valuable. I mean, mm. not just, oh, it's nice to grow some veg. I mean, I've got some food to eat. Yeah, um, that is that is one side of it. But also we spoke to someone, um, one of the ladies who we know through home educating, and she was saying about in her country before she, I think it was, I think it was either Poland or Romania. I think it was Romania. She said so many of the women out there, it's it's just part of life that you grow things, you can things, you, um, you know, you have things in jars, you pickle things, etc. But she said when she came over here, hardly anybody does it. Mm. And I've said it, that's because it's so easy, isn't it? You press a button, things get delivered and people moan if their shopping isn't in the hours slot that they, yeah. you know, and we've done it or you, you haven't got a substitution. But what I would hope is this will push people, force people to say, do you know what? We need to learn how to be a bit more you know, self-sustainable with our food and eat what is seasonal as opposed to, I mean, we both said it, you said avocados, you know, you'd be like, go to the shop and it'll be December. And you're like, oh, God, there's no avocados. This is ridiculous. Where's <laughs> yeah. the manager? Yeah, where, they, like, where do they, you don't even know where they come from or what, you know. That's what it. Is. Yeah. So it will be interesting. Also, you said this is one of the common factors. People say, oh, I haven't got the space. And you say, well, actually, educating yourself on you don't need a lot of space to mm. grow certain things because you think upwards instead of outwards. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we shared links on a whole man academy thing, trying to put a toolkit together for men to know, you know, not having much space isn't going to be a excuse. That will be um, it's just inconvenient. But you will find if you've got any small garden that you can start growing things. So it'll be interesting. But I, I'd love to say I'll be wrong, but I, I will. Uh, bet my bottom dollar on uh on you know in, in this next year you'll see people going that's weird there's not as much stuff on the shelves and would that be bad for us it's interesting isn't it i, I think in a sense a little bit of struggle i wonder we've had this compulsion the last hundred years to move mm. closer and closer to convenience and online shopping i think is a bit of a false perception with that because the, the thought of yeah. like, having to negotiate packaging and send stuff back and all that kind of palaver i'd much rather walk to the to a store and, and uh, still while well, i still can and try a pair of jeans on although and i'm i'm, I'm lucky because i live near near the center of town in Chelsea. Yeah. It's, it's a bit more convenient for me but it's still that for me is easier yeah. i think than, than doing online shopping so there's a false perception but i do think maybe a recognition of of what is important i.e food shelter things like that that we, mm. we used to create I think a happiness around that, whereas that became taken for granted. And we had all these abstract uh, concepts like how shiny your car is and how new your car yeah. is and how big your, you know, whatever is and what street you live on and stuff like that. I think yeah. maybe the, the more convenient we've more comfortable life is sometimes the, uh, the unhappier. I don't know. Well, for men, maybe in particular, maybe it's different for women. I don't know. No, I think the, uh, do you know what? You've just said the other thing there about um, seeing as obviously the whole man Academy being predominantly men that we talk to, but again, 25% of our podcast listeners are female or 27%. Of w women are interesting. Women like it's, it doesn't really work the other way around that men don't crave female sort of quote unquote yes. content, but often women, I think because it's a struggle to understand how simple men are that I think they it. sort of, it's illuminating like, Oh, it's, you know, a man yeah. could be happy and I'm a very simple man, but like food, yeah. shelter, bit of movement, you know, there's very simple things. I don't really have a complex range, which you try and get more complex as you as you get married and have a wife and a daughter. But it's it's still very. Yeah. But women are well, quite curious about that, like understanding that. I, 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 you're 100 percent right. Then I'll tell you this uh, brief story. Um, I was asked a few weeks ago. There was a um, it's like a whole man academy, but a women's version, which is and it seems to be more kind of mature women. I would say women in their like 35, 40s and upwards. 
but they were doing a big event up near um, Stratford and they messaged me and said, we're doing a panel for, for men and it will be, so women in the room, but we want three or four men to basically come on stage and just answer any questions that women want to ask you so they can understand men better. Mm. And I was like, okay, great. So I went up there and there was, say something probably like 40 women in the room yeah and it's also hard uh, to generalize as well because you're thinking oh i know this bloke who's different than me but yeah, there are, yeah. there are generalizations i think you can you can strive for yeah yeah and that that was exactly it where you go you know there was a guy who was 60 a guy who was 50 i'm 40 and another guy around my age and you know one of them has got grown-up kids one of them i don't think has got kids and and, uh, and we did so it was a it was a nice mixture of of guys from let's say 40 and upwards um, but wow, it was amazing because they let all the women submit questions and, uh, you know, anything they wanted. And they would say, right, can you just give us with an unfiltered answer? Just don't think, well, no, I better not say that because, you know, they might just like just say what you have in your mind, which is always interesting. And questions like I mean, the first question was, what's the big deal with oral sex? Yeah, <laughs> really? And you're like, right. You know, at least at least let us warm up a bit before we yeah. jump into things. What receiving um, but, it or giving it, or what was? The thing? But, and that's what the guy said. Well, can you be a bit more specific? Yeah. And uh, I, you know, we didn't all answer all the questions, but I kind of got that question then put onto me after him, and I was like, well, look, he's answered it well. I said, but you know, done well, it's amazing, and done badly, it's really it's not a pleasant experience. And that, the women were kind of laughing. But, but one but of the also, questions, yeah, sex being a very different thing for men and women, I think that gets more and more. That's it. It's a so they want to biological understand. necessity versus a sort of yeah. enjoyment, which is crude, but it's, it's yeah, you know, it equates to a lot of things. Is that you know, that's it. And yeah. One of their things was about, um, I mean, they asked about if you like if a man was happy with his partner earning more than him, which is an interesting one because I wouldn't mind, but maybe when I was younger, I probably might have been a bit put out by that because you're like. I, you know, in my head, I should be the the breadwinner, and they're earning a lot more than me. So that yeah. was an. Interesting I think it would depend one. if you were any good at caring, but my wife's better carer than me. So I think if she yes, was yeah. both, it would be like, well, what, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> so it, it it came back to that where um, one of the really interesting questions was one of the women said, "Can you can a man ever really have uh, like platonic relationship with his female friends?" Mm. And of course, one of the guys who was very said. Oh, of course, and et cetera. And I was like, oh, if you really want to be honest, I said, the reason I was friends with my girlfriends earlier was probably because I wanted to sleep with them. Yeah. You know, that was, and they and they were like, God, we, like, it's such good to hear your honesty. And I was like, well, that's just, that's, you know, I'm not saying all men are like that, but seeing as you wanted some unfiltered stuff. So that was really, I tell you, it was lovely at the end. A woman stood up and she basically burst into tears and she said, I'm not saying what, but she said, some of your content today is actually, I feel like it's healed some of my, wounds of things that i've always needed to hear about men wow and i was like wow powerful stuff so, yeah i know it's good the, for men to talk the readiness to cry yeah and that's actually yeah. funny the millennial wedding my brother was in tears the whole time we made a crack because one of my brothers had testicular cancer and he's on testosterone now so he was and i was saying could you give my could you give him the uh, some of that testosterone because he his <laughs> wedding it was it was just you know in tears the whole time my mum and yeah his, i was like wow how do you sort of get teary when i hear about kids dying or something it's like not yeah, a, it's right. a, but it's a different it's a different it was a slight seemingly a, a change in some of the emotionality of, of men yeah we used but, to but just I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i know i don't know it's because stoicism sometimes i think is a is a decent trait as well isn't it yes and that's the, the, our previous podcast guest michael out in canada you know he'd said and i hadn't thought about it 
like this, but he said, you know, you, in his view, he said, you shouldn't be going to your female partner with all your little woes. You should find a group of men or a man that you can have these discussions with. Cause if you're going to your partner right. and, you know, saying, Oh, this, I'm, I'm not working. I'm just about this. He said, in a way, she'll then feel like she has to step into her masculine and out of her feminine to try and kind of counter yeah. that and help you and deal with it. And he said, you know, whereas if you can find your group of men and, you know, I know with you, if you want to, you could reach out to me and say anything. And James. Yeah, Golden and, I, and I think it's, it's different as well, because I think and this is probably part of the, the mental health culture, which is a little bit limiting. I was having a conversation before men is this talk in itself which is bizarre because we're talking on a podcast and you do a lot of talking which is supposed to be healing but i think what men want is someone to say not you won't necessarily follow it but it'll be try doing this try doing that yeah. whereas with women there's a sense that they just talk about the same thing over and over again and you're like well, no one's doing anything what are you doing there's no there's, I no, want to fix it. there's no clarity no one's written anything down about what the next tactic <laughs> is and it's sort of like it it, it, it it's sort of, but that but that is the part of the mainstream mental health culture now is that that in itself is fulfilling and maybe it is sometimes if you're really depressed i guess to hear something but actually yeah. what is better is my father-in-law saying you know you've messed up this diy here's what you should do and actually i feel less stressed because he's told me that or this yeah. is what happened to me at work and this is how i handled my boss and things like that which is you know i think my wife's actually very practical on that side but it's it's interesting that i think that's a, a, a sometimes a gender divide where you actually just want someone to tell you what to do or give you options yeah that and i know you know we've heard it from plenty of kind of uh i've listened to a couple of kind of relationship experts where they would say you know in, in general that men want to fix things and women just want to talk about it mm. and you know it's what i realize even with my partner and we talk about it with the whole man academy is sometimes your partner just wants to to offload what's going on she doesn't yeah. want you to go right let's get a pen and paper let's get a yeah let's get six step plan going on and it escalates into a terrible situation you're like yeah. oh, I just thought, what about this what about this and what they're like well, no, it. it's like particularly with inter-family relationships it's like you know ultimately they just want to air stuff i think yeah well that's the goes into the victim triangle as well isn't it is you try and you know someone's got a problem they tell you about it and then kind of you go around and think oh i'll try and fix it for them and they don't want you to fix it for them so they have a go at you and yeah. you're like well don't have a go at me i'm just yeah. trying to fix it for yeah. you it's almost like you know, say to her, like, if I have a problem with a family member, it's like, what should I do? What should I say? How should I act when I'm there? And it's almost like this is something I can yeah. rehearse and practice. Whereas for my wife, it's just literally venting something that I don't need That's to it. solve or, or give her a tactic for. It's a different different thing. And yeah. it's subtle. And again, it will vary across different men and women. But I think there are a broad strands of how you miscommunicate. Because I remember someone saying to me, for God's sake, don't try and tell her what to do or fix. <laughs> it's like that's the, the last thing you can that's do it. is tell someone what to do. That that it reminded me um there's if someone said now i had to kind of offer two bits of relationship advice to men or women you know because it's always good to say to, for women to hear men's thoughts one of them was saying to your partner what i'm hearing you say is this so that because they'll go no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying something else and you're like okay sorry yeah. just to clarify so i don't get it wrong what i'm hearing you say is blah but the other one was a, um a, um an american he's an ex uh, police detective over in the states um, called Craig Casaletto, who I interviewed a few weeks ago, and he does great, uh, like quick tips on Instagram for people and kind of men on how to how to do life better. But his thing was, if you imagine if you said each morning, or it hasn't got to be every morning, but you say to your partner, "How can I make your day a 10 Mm. <laughs> I think she do? She'd probably laugh if I said that out of the blue, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they'd be like, "Where's Ed and what have you done with him?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but yeah, he was like. You know, because often people are so busy, kind of, they think you know what your partner wants or could be a colleague or uh, whatever. But 
Imagine saying what might come up if you said to your partner on, on a weekend, listen, what can I do to make your day a 10? Mm-hmm. It might be when I spoke to Emma, my partner, she's like, just empty the dishwasher. And like, if you could just make lunch, that's mm-hmm. all I'm asking. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. And she's like, that, that'll do for me. Yeah, don't don't have to uh, change the washer on the plug, which is always a challenge. For people, I think, or yeah. on the tap, which is anything <laughs> yeah. too. That's that's a good. That's a that's a really good shout. And actually, not airing problems, I think, because I think it actually be quite emasculating, can't it? Because you feel like you have to air it, but if you're not seeing male friends enough, you don't have that yeah. avenue to do that. And then you tell your wife, and I think whether they like to say it or not, and whether people say they want people to share problems, I think actually a woman tends to want you just to deal with it and get on with it. Mm. Which is, you know. Yeah. No. It's that. That's why I say with podcasts, which I love, you know, I've always said podcasts saved my life because I might have stayed in the city if I hadn't have listened to mm. podcasts, which got me onto Tony Robbins and personal development and, and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, with the hundred plus podcasts, like I selfishly, I learned so much from the guys I interview as much as the people listening. And that's why I said, if, if, if with a hundred guys, you took one golden nugget from every podcast, that's a book in itself, you know, a hundred golden nuggets from the whole man Academy podcast is a is a is an ebook waiting to happen <laughs> and how, what about the homeschooling how have you found that the balance between trying to trying to work yeah. trying to provide trying to school educate trying to care yes yeah, good good question um it's it's not without its challenges and that's um because obviously you're always you know one of us is always with the kids and but i say that well, you learn to adapt because um so our kids will go on a monday to meet with the big group and go to somewhere to do something like could be blending palace or go somewhere mm. tuesdays they go to forest school where they're building fires and you know doing bow and arrow stuff and learning uh, about animals and trees yeah. and woodland wednesdays they go to someone and again a big group and she's a music teacher so she teaches them about kind of spirituality and music and nature and etc and then Thursdays, one of us goes, one of them goes to one of our family members and he helps them do gardening and different stuff like that. And then Friday, it's kind of a free for all of whatever they want to do. Yeah. But yeah. the biggest challenge wasn't so much them or us. It was the ha- helping people around you understand about homeschooling or home educating because you're not trying to recreate school at home. Yeah. The whole yeah. point isn't having a you sit down for three, X amount of hours. Three, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, so, you know, people often ask about, oh, how will they socialize? It's almost, like, like, sprint, well, it's almost like sprint training homeschooling, isn't it? Because it's one or whereas, you know, in a general class, it's like a marathon because you've got 30 kids and the, the attention it. is split, split, but you can't give the same intense attention to one person for six hours. Yeah. And, and look at great example, um, even, you know, for anybody listening, look at when you went to school, assuming you went to school. I bet there's some things you couldn't stand. I didn't like science. I thought it was really boring. Um, whereas when it was, media or pe or something like that and i was unsurprised i was Arts kind of and crafts was my worst making stuff it, yeah terrible so <laughs> so when you're forcing a child to learn stuff that he's got no or she's got no interest in so for hudson you know he loves woodwork and he loves that so he's learning Brilliant. to count through measuring and building and but if you say oh we're going to sit down and do to be honest a lot of other stuff he's his attention span is so short then he starts messing around because he's bored yeah and you're like why am i forcing my child to you know, especially when you force the curriculum of, uh, you've also got to ask yourself who developed the curriculum. Is it to develop young entrepreneurs and young warriors as men, or is it to develop people that can be good worker bees and go out and work mm. for someone else? I think yeah. we know the answer to that one. Factory, factory uh, sort of age, wasn't it? Victorian age. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And and I have to be careful sometimes because everybody makes their own decision. You know, we're lucky. We're in that 
situation where we can home educate our kids not everybody is and especially if you're a single parent guess what you've got to go out and earn money um so it's an interesting one but with the socializing of children you take a class of 20 or 30 four year olds they're not going to learn from each other whereas they will spend time with you know two and a half four seven nine twelve thirteen fourteen year olds and the 14 year olds learn how to nurture the youngsters and the youngsters learn from the bigger kids who they want to emulate and that's how they learn from each other so uh it's it's uh it's funny watching people's um what's the word reaction when you say when they say oh what, what you know how's your son getting on at school and i say oh he, he's not going to school and they go what <laughs> and he said oh, we're home educating and they're like why how why yeah. And you're like, well, how, how long have you got, you know, but it's about working out what's best for your mm. situation and your child. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about that, that intergenerational connection even between kids, between teenagers and, and young kids, because that would have been sort of, I guess, just natural part of the process in communities when we lived in tribes and things like that. And a lot of yeah. it, what we're doing now with exercise and trying to get sleep again and things like that is fundamental things that we used to do very much intuitively and instinctively. But in modern life, we've had to unravel it and yes, and rent an allotment or do whatever we need to do to get to feel closer to nature when <laughs> we previously were in it. We're, we're really weird a really weird species when it when it comes to it and you've got you've got a getaway coming up with the whole man academy as well because that that's another thing for the both the people going and yourself is negotiating that time away from families and an interesting balance isn't it and that balance between sort of uh self-care and narcissism if it goes too far one way doesn't yeah. it self, yeah it's trying self to over love trying to find that balance i mean we what we wanted to do with the whole man academy was you know everybody's got different needs different budgets different desires on how they want to kind of you know sculpt their life and, you know, we started off with just the events, which were all very good. But of course, you could only have, you know, 30 men there, maybe or, or 65 men was the biggest event we did. But of course, a guy's got to be able to get to the event, um, you know, get maybe permission from his partner, because maybe he's but work all week. And then he's like, oh, I'm off to this. So we then developed the online course, which meant that could be guys all around the world, which was great. But then we were like, well, what's our you know, what's the progress from that? And the next one was then mentoring. So I do kind of private mentoring with guys. We're just about to launch on Friday uh, another um, course more about body optimization, like bioconditioning for men um, and looking at your hormones and um, testosterone, et cetera, like that. And then the, the, the kind of the top of the tree for us was the we call it the escape and reset experience, which is taking a guy who comes to my home for three days, either the weekend. And you look at his health, his lifestyle, his goals, his fitness, and you it's like an intense you know, couple of days where it's just me and him getting, we will say, you know, getting shit done, but also having some time to walk, to exercise, uh, a bit of cold water immersion and, uh, and really leaving the toilet seat up. He <laughs> can do whatever he wants in yeah. that respect. But well, it's, that, so, it was funny so that they they would, things like that when you get with your friends, you just realize how savage they are. I mean, a men's public toilet when you've got a daughter is just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we're just animals. And it's basically like this ongoing yeah. tension between, you know, I think I'm relatively civilized, but it's, it's still. Yeah, we'd like to think level. we are. Well, they, they get um, their own kind of private room with ensuite and entrance and all that oh, stuff. Goodness. So it's, 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 say, it's basically the escape and reset saying you escape from the daily rat race for a couple of days and then come out to the Cotswolds and it is just fields and horses and nice walks and what have you but also the reset experience of saying okay well, where am i today i don't care what's gone on in the past because you can't change that you mm. know looking to the future what can we do we work a morning routine you eat all organic food and you just have that nice experience where you go do you know what i'm taking a couple of days for me instead of trying to juggle the plates of everything else in life 
Yeah, how important is it for us to, to a certain extent, solve our problems in a sense? Because I think if you're a practical person, you say seek out these great podcasts, but then you can sort of find yourself blowing in the wind a bit, can't you? I think there has to be a sort of just entertainment, fil- a, fil- a filter process, isn't there, where you where you decide what works for you and and what yeah. doesn't, and how you're going to yeah. life, and, what, and, and also a, a confidence about who you are. I suppose is, I mean that sounds very yeah. corny and, and cliched, but is that one of the conclusions you've spoken to a hundred people on the podcast? But ultimately, they've yeah. all got different perspectives and you have to try and blend them all together to, to formulate your view yeah well, well you just said confidence and again i literally this morning was writing an e-letter that will also go out um because an additional one about even my own body confidence like i said with when i had my collapsed lung because i lost so much weight and people go oh haven't you got skinny and i hated i mean you know i'd wager that most men never want to hear them described as skinny <laughs> no. or thin you it's know, actually, yeah, it's it's quite, between skin and f- skinny and fat, it's probably a close call, actually, isn't it? It's a hard. Yeah, it's, it's, at least fat. No you've probably wants... been having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> well, at least it's you know, it's one of those things where it's it's about how it make you know how those words make you feel. Mm. But you know, we were writing on the on the e letter again about confidence, not just for you, but it you know, it kind of resonates around you because you know, if you doing a job interview and you've got a guy comes in and he's got an air of confidence around him you want him in your team. But if someone comes in and they haven't, maybe that's the deciding factor. So confidence can, you know, it's like you, mm. if you're going on camera, you want someone next to you, you know, feels and sounds confident. I mean, is it mm. Jim White was the guy who'd been, you know, yeah. for so long? Or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that does like Soccer Saturday. But Jeff you know, if you're, yeah. that's it. If you're sitting next to those guys, you've got the feeling of their yeah. co- their confidence, their ability. Particularly for p- pundits, yeah, you have people come in, come into the studio who aren't there all the time. They have to be, yeah, very kind of... Right. What's that like then? Because surely you get those guys, some that are, if they're, especially the younger footballers, they're new to being on camera. Yeah, there's an evolution, particularly on Sky Sports News, because often we're, not that we want to see ourselves like that, but you could be, because audience-wise, Soccer Saturday or, or the Premier League coverage will get millions of viewers and we'll get hundreds of thousands. So there's a kind of incremental thing where sometimes you lose the best people, but you're nurturing them through. And it's yeah. very much, you know, for, for a lot of these people, sink or swim intellectually, they have to work out what they're doing. Because a lot of it's TV on radio, or radio, yeah, TV or radio on TV. So describing things the viewer can't see. So you have yes. to explain it to them and then you're having to make them feel comfortable. And then like any, it, some will thrive and some will maybe stagnate and, and not be for them. So it's an interesting process, but you have to try and just tease and coax them potentially through it. And that sounds disrespectful, but obviously it's a new new environment for them. And yeah. being live TV, I think culturally there's a sort of a sort of excitement and anxiety sometimes about being in that in that situation, a bit like public speaking. So mm. you have to be mindful of that. But that is a it's an it's an interesting one. I think <clears throat> giving feedback as well. I'm not someone that sort of is too judgmental. I think an interesting blend because you've done the personal training courses and I'm doing the, the level three at the moment. And one of the things they do is a stress questionnaire is you have to give to clients. And I, it's interesting to sort of what is right and what's wrong. It's about balance because one of the, the themes in there was, do you always feel responsible? Do you think things are your fault? Should you adjust? Mm. And I think part of me thinks in a relationship, you'd always try and do that. But then if you get too far down that road, you become too apologetic and it's too yeah. lack of, so that, that is interesting at work, at home, how assured you are, how flexible you are about things, but also how, how sort of, how solid you are at the core and i think that's an interesting yeah. thing is how you how you balance all those things because it's not an exact way you can be like braggadocio and, and absolute about everything and your ways the you know your way or the highway and you never learn and get better as a person but then yes i think there is yeah. a sense of like you have to have a little bit of assurance with a little bit of flexibility i think um funny you reminded me something i read the other day which was or someone said you know that 
the the biggest thing we know is that we don't know anything yeah you know I, I, the, the one thing i'm confident about is that i don't know anything yeah. and i would say you know for most people um you know everything we know is wrong i mean look at health and how we've been told certain things are really good for you and then mm. you know, certain drugs and then you find out that actually you know years later they're like oh well we made loads of money out of it but we were wrong on that so um i always think it's like you know question everything around you as well but mm. you know if you can surround yourself with people who have some confidence i think it just it, it rubs off on you basically yeah and you take feedback and you put it through a bit of a filter as well because someone might say so they might have an ulterior motive they might whether it's work or or whatever they might be wrong or they might be right you know you have to sort of evaluate yeah. that i think there's a bit sort of process and always say that to presenters coming through as well because it's a very fickle subjective thing some people mm. will like you others won't but if they've got something constructive and tangible like you're picking your nose every two minutes on camera and it's pretty off-putting then i think <laughs> that's something you can actually you know all yeah, or swearing you yeah. don't seem to know any facts about rugby it's like well i can research and fact you know there's there's things that you can yeah. actually take and construct it but if someone says i just don't like the way you look it's like well there's not yeah. there's not much you can really <laughs> do with that which sometimes no. you get bosses who would be kind of pretty much candid about that so it was like yeah. that's, that's something you can't control um and something maybe you wouldn't want to change anyway so it's that it's that kind of you know having that yeah, strength that, of character with I that guess, ability to learn because you want to get better but you also want yeah. to have a confidence to you like you say I don't think there's can be many tests more than either doing public speaking or and again that that meaning me doing kind of corporate stuff with with companies and or you know putting someone in that spotlight for you saying okay there's 10 20 30 40,000 or you know a million or 5 million people listening or watching to feel yourself that then they go right go yeah <laughs> like, I know but it's still, it's still funny I think you get into a groove as well and it's that I know you, you, Tony Robbins has spoken about it, which you've spent more time obviously studying him than me, but that the, the dangers of autopilot, because I think once that anxiety goes, you can actually get into bad habits because you're not actually learning and you're not growing because you're just, yeah. you, you're like a sort of an automatron where you, the light comes on and you do it, but actually you need to have a little bit of that anxiety and a little bit of that awareness, mm. which you'll always have in person with audiences. That's the thing, you know, I think when you're doing public yeah. speaking, they're always there, you always see them, whereas with a TV studio, you, it's a closed environment, so you can actually almost forget and actually and not yeah. really think am i being annoying am i being warm am i being convivial you know that kind of thing which you have yeah. to try and sometimes when you're doing it for a while is consciously remind yourself of trying to be better every uh, every time you go live that's what i found um you know since lockdowns happened i was i'd started kind of doing talks for companies and then of course it all got switched to online and mm. you know i've said countless times but it's all very well, but it's just not the same as feeling the energy in the room and having feedback because sometimes you just talk to camera, like literally uh, your presentation and you is sitting in mm. your room for a whole hour of you just talking and you've got no idea. And sometimes you go, I wonder if any, like maybe the connection's gone. Like, is it really <laughs> yeah. even yeah. there? And then at the end of the hour, you kind of go onto the comments and then people go, oh, thanks. That was really good. You're like, was it? Well, like, I've had, yeah, eleven thirty at work. Sometimes in, in the evening, you're just reading a story, and you suddenly have that out of body experience. Where pretty much the office is empty, and you're sort of yeah, you're like there and think, <laughs> is this is this really happening? Is it going out? And obviously it is, but yeah, you don't yeah. You don't have that kind of in, that human interconnection. Yeah, which is priceless. But we're uh, we're getting there. Yeah, well, mate, we've had a, we've had a really good chat, and I'm I'm uh, aware that I'm probably ruining the home homeschooling schedule at the moment as well. That's right. <laughs> hey, it's been great to catch up. Quick, direct people to the whole man academy as well because. I don't I thought I was on the email list but I had to re-sign up to that as well because it's really um 
Yeah, well, I can I, I can add you to it if you want to save yeah. you uh, doing it. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, we're on Instagram and Facebook. But if you just go to, well, I can always send you the uh, the link tree, which has got yeah. all of our stuff on it. So the mentorship, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, people just go to www.wholemanacademy.com. Uh, generally, everything is on there. And some nice pictures of David Gandhi as well, if they need to look at them. Oh, of course, the ambassador. Yeah, David Gandhi, <laughs> who's a doppelganger of yourself as well. If people want to look you up, if they're listening he's to this been, podcast. They can he's about, about a foot taller, but apart from that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is he's a man that sets a certain standard that we're uh, we'll never get but we'll keep trying oh, yeah. um, Anthony, pleasure to have you on mate really appreciate it and we'll catch up soon thank you mate cheers bit of a freewheeling chat but i really enjoyed that uh, a bit ominous on the food shortage front certainly i think there's a spiritual kind of mental boost from growing your own food that sense of being a little bit independent from the system isn't there? as you get older you realize how liable and how dependent we are upon that global system and how the past couple of years in the pandemic and everything that's ensued is maybe shaken our, our kind of faith in that because it's been all i've known since being a kid in the 80s so being born in the 80s uh well thank you for listening to that i hope you like it if you do please rate it on itunes tell a friend more importantly i just think those first person references referrals really important when it comes to all the podcasts in the world i think there's about two million so if you like this one and want to tell someone about it that'd be fantastic just appreciate you listening in the meantime and appreciate the support as well as the sponsors bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out bno cheltenham online bno underscore cheltenham on social media and remember through that company serene av can source you whatever you're looking for in terms of big screens and home entertainment solutions audio solutions around your home whatever it may be get in touch with jason briggs and his team and if you're looking to optimize your immunity want to try the supplements from cytoplan you can head to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk and at checkout the discount code associated with the podcast which gives you 30 percent off upfront 10 percent thereafter on future purchases the discount code is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r follow me as well on social media if you want to uh, type in ed draper instagram ed draper twitter and i'll be there that want to mainly use there is a facebook account but it kind of just tied to the instagram i think Anyway, I hope you well. Have a fantastic weekend. Goodbye for now.